my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the magnificent city of Adelaide. I'm also presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. What an incredible privilege uh, it is to be able to share with you. Now, folks, look, if you would like to make a comment, if you'd like to give some feedback, we'd love to get feedback uh, from our from our listeners. If you would like to give uh, feedback, uh, then all you need to do is, uh, uh, is text us at our Drive Time text number and uh, uh, we would we will love uh, to be able uh, to respond uh, back uh, back to you uh, love uh, to be able to uh, to touch base with you now uh, this week folks we have uh, been following uh, a really interesting theme uh, contemporary Israel and ancient prophecies is there a link? Do you know, uh, right now with the, uh, the current war between Israel and Gaza and hopefully nobody else, uh, I'm, I'm noticing a huge number of articles, particularly in the religious press, uh, that are looking at this uh, subject of uh, ancient Israel, prophecies of ancient Israel. Are they going to be fulfilled in the uh, contemporary world? Uh, now, uh, on Monday... Uh, we we actually asked a, a question. Uh, my good my good friends uh, Will and Brenton uh, they uh, they shared on the question. What is it that makes a person a biblical Israelite? Uh, and we noticed that actually a person of promise uh, was what made a person a spiritual. Israelite. Yesterday, uh, I led the Bible study and we looked at the subject of, uh, what, uh, what was God's purpose? God's purpose for Israel. Was it irrevocable? Uh, God had a purpose. God had a reason. God gave promises to Israel, but were they irrevocable? Uh, yesterday, we looked at so many of those uh, promises made to Israel were in fact conditional. Uh, and so often those conditions are not mentioned when you actually dig uh, into uh, some of the contemporary articles. Now today, uh, we're going to be chatting on the question, who has in Inherited the promises for Israel today. Um, is it a literal Israel or is it somebody, some other group? Uh, now this is so significant. This Bible study is one, folks, that you need to hang around for, for the whole time. I believe you'll be abundantly blessed if you, uh, if you hang around. If you're in your car and you're driving home and you've only heard half the study, this one is worth keeping your radio on even when you arrive home. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really that, uh, that important. Now look, to guide us through our discussion today, we're joined by our regular Wednesday co-host, and that's uh, Pastor David, David Butcher. Now David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. Now welcome to you, David. 
Good afternoon, Gary, and hello, listeners. It's great to be with you, Gary. It is fantastic uh, to have you have you with us. Now, of course, you're not actually sitting in the studio with me today. You're actually uh, we're actually working remotely today, so there's a little bit of a delay in your uh, in your responses uh, there because I understand you've actually got another dose of this uh, dreaded COVID bug. I have, Gary, and um, I mean there are some blessings, aren't there? Um, Normally we sit opposite each other, opposite a desk, and look at each other. And, this way you don't need to look at me. This way I don't need to look at your mug, and you don't need to look at mine. But yeah, look, on the tail end of COVID, um, after having some time away and travelling in Melbourne and coming back. Yeah, 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 and no, it, it tends to do that. The travel, particularly in uh, uh, when you're in aeroplanes, if you tend to share every bug uh, that uh, the people have got in aeroplanes with everybody else through the air conditioning uh, system. Uh, but um, um, I tell you, isn't today a magic day here in Adelaide? Look, I can I look out the windows, Gary, because I haven't been outside. I've been on Zoom meetings all day. But look, it is it is fantastic. We are blessed. That's about twenty six degrees in Adelaide. Parts of the country, I think North New South Wales, there is um, fires burning, um, and we just our hearts go out to people listening in in those parts of New South Wales. Um, but we have beautiful weather here, Gary, and uh, I've managed to infect three out of four of our family members with COVID. Wow. So, so, so the fourth one uh, has, has escaped? <laughs> no, yeah, at the moment. So my wife uh, has now tested positive. My daughter tested positive last night and our son... 17-year-old son is uh, holding out. We'll see how much longer for. <laughs> You're a generous man, David. <laughs> hey, listen, look, let's come to our World Watch, uh, Watch segment. And, uh, of course, in our World Watch segment what, today, what I'd like to uh, read is uh, an article that uh, I certainly picked up on, uh, on one of the religious uh, uh, web, uh, websites. And uh, uh, it, it actually, I believe, presents a, a really challenging thought. It does actually start by reflecting on the Israel Palestinian conflict, but it moves on from there, and it's those. It's where it moves to that I just like to sort of bounce off you and, and get your feedback. And the oh. article, the article is actually entitled "Courageous Faith in the Face of Dangerous Moral and Spiritual Decline." And uh, this is what the article says: uh, Hirsch Pollen is a 23 year old American Israeli born in Berkeley, California. He was at the Nova Music Festival last weekend when more than 200 60 attenders uh, were massacred by Hamas terrorists. Hirsch took cover in a bomb shelter, but a grenade blew off his arm from the elbow down. Since he could still walk, he was ordered by Hamas to leave the shelter. His phone soon pinged across the border in Gaza, where authorities say he's still being held a hostage. His parents who were born and raised in Chicago and moved to Israel 15 years ago, have not heard from him since. His mother, Rachel Goldberg, said of him, Hirsch is my only son. He's my first child. He is what made me feel like a mother. I feel like God could have given him to anyone, and but he gave the perfect son to me. Now, 
She's spending her days praying for his return, telling his story to, to media outlets, to appealing to US senators and Israeli politicians. We need to know that we are doing every single thing that we can possibly do, she said. She added, I think that when you're in hell, if you stop, then you are really stuck. So when you're going through hell, just keep walking. And that's what I'm trying to do. Now, you know, the article actually goes on and talks about the uh, certainly the faith of uh, a number of these Israelite people in the uh, in the face of that uh, that massacre. Uh, but then the article actually takes a, a really what to me is a, a really interesting article because it starts to reflect on our general world condition. And uh, this is uh, this is what it continues uh, saying. Uh, Jamie Dillon uh, is chief executive of J.P. Morgan Chase, the, the America's largest bank. Uh, the New York Times calls him as close to Wall Street as to a statesman. He is in the news because of a statement he made accompanying his bank's quarterly earnings last Friday. He said, this may be the most dangerous time the world has seen in decades. High inflation, uh, rising interest rates are risks to be sure. But Dimon told reporters that the conflict in Israel and Gaza is the highest and most important thing for the Western world at this point. In his view, it could have far-reaching impacts on energy and food markets, global trade and geopolitical relationships. The Wall Street Journal offers evidence reporting that the war is affecting the global balance of power, stretching American and European resources while relieving pressure on Russia and providing new opportunities for China. The article notes that both are positioning themselves to lead the global movement against the West's neo-colonialism. An escalation of war could force many European nations into greater dependence on Russian oil and gas and it carries the risks of renewed violence by Islamist militant groups across the continent. Another another writer, Walter Mead, is one of the most perceptive cultural commentators of our day. He wrote uh, uh, in the Wall Street Journal uh, response uh, to the Hamas atrocities entitled A Middle East Wake-Up Call, and he concludes with this paragraph. Finally, there is the question of whether American and Western opinion will awaken to the new state of the world. In a horrible way, the descent of death-dealing paragliders into a peaceful music festival in Israel is an apt symbol of our times. The post-Cold War trance of the West, reaping peace dividends, celebrating flower power and generally living as if utopia had already arrived, has left us mentally and morally disarmed. The revisionist powers that recognise no moral limits in their power uh, as they seek to overturn the existing world system in an ocean of blood are descending onto uh, onto our festival of folly like the hellbound paraglide 
gliders of Hamas. Uh, We cannot and we should not respond with irrational panic and random outbursts of violence. We must soberly and deliberately address a mortal danger to everything we hold dear and we must at long last, last, we must wake up. Do you know, to me, as I, as I read that, I sort of thought, hey, you know, David, this is really saying something very powerful. You know, oh, look, I, I suppose my, uh, my, my, my question to you, you know, I mean, are we, you know, do you think we're at another change point in our world? I, I do, Gary. Uh, certainly, um, we're reaching a high point in this chapter of, of, of history. Yeah. Um, is it the end? I don't think it's the end. There is more to come, clearly. But, I really resonates with the, the one of the authors there, Walter Russell Mead, where essentially he's saying that um, uh, very powerful what he said. He said the post Cold War trance of the West, reaping peace dividends, celebrating flower power, and generally living as if utopia had already arrived, has left us mentally and morally disarmed. We're asleep. Yeah. yeah. A- and essentially, culture, society, um, the luxuries of the the West um, have enabled us to uh, think that we have everything we need. We're self-sufficient. We can sit back, relax. We've gone soft. And more importantly, God has been pushed out of the sphere. You don't need God when you have everything you need and when life is pretty good. But David, what to what extent do you think culture has actually changed itself? Because uh, you know, I, I suppose you know. I mean, certainly there are these calls to actually wake up, uh, and yet waking up assumes that you're going to wake up to something similar uh, to what you were previously. Uh, you know, are we at the point where our society has irrevocably changed and moved in a direction that uh, is actually uh, is actually going to uh, uh, to send us in a, a totally different direction? Oh, I think that's exactly what's happening, Gary. We, um, in our society, uh, we, in, we know in the last national census, the 2021 census, that essentially Christianity has slipped, I think it was by about nine percentage points. Yeah. Uh, and, and here in South Australia, we have the lowest, um, lowest mainland state or the capital, Adelaide, has the lowest mainland percentage of people that are Christians in, in any of the mainland states. Tasmania, though, obviously not mainland state, tops it. Um, so, so God has been pushed out of the square. We don't need God. We have everything else. And we've gone down a slippery slope, and you think, will it come back? Can it come back? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's partially what this author is saying. He's saying we need to wake up. We must soberly and deliberately address a mortal danger. It, it's, it's a moral danger. Mm. And because it's a moral danger, I think it makes it a mortal danger. And, and he ends by saying, and we must at long last wake up. Yeah. And so, Gary, it reminds me um, a couple of passage in, uh, passages of Scripture that I guess essentially are referring somewhat to, or, or in particular, uh, the times just before Jesus comes. Yeah, yeah. And First uh, Thessalonians 5.1 and onwards, uh, the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonican Christians, he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord 
so comes as a thief in the night. But when they say peace and safety, and really that's what our generation has been saying, correct? Exactly. That, that, that's exactly what our generation's been saying, yes. Indulge, in other words. Uh, and then Paul goes on, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labour pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. And then he says in verse 4 of First Thessalonians 5, he says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. In other words, you're not in darkness. You should have light. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And then he ends by saying, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We are not watching and we're not sober. We've lost our moral compass and uh, we're engaged, and, and I don't know a lot about Rome, ancient Roman history, yeah. but a little bit that I do know is the Roman Empire began to crumble, and as it began to crumble in the perimeters and the peripheries, what they did was they, they had more and more um, uh, games and, and um, contests in, in the Colosseum. In yeah. other words, they put on bigger parties, they provided corn and more food for people, while Rome was plunging into to chaos and crumbling. Yeah. And, and in reality, that's what our culture is doing as well. It's interesting you actually say that because if you look at uh, when the last night of Babylon, and of course it's recorded in, uh, what is it there, Daniel about chapter, uh, chapter six there, uh, talking about the fall of, uh, of Babylon, Belshazzar's feast. What's actually occurring on the night that Babylon, uh, fell? Well, there's actually one huge party, uh, taking, uh, taking place, probably went on for a, a solid week. You know, they're so solid that they're so secure behind these impregnable walls, uh, yet in one night, Babylon actually fell. So what you're saying, Gary, and, and, and Daniel chapter 5 there, that they felt secure behind what that established for themselves. We live in a fairly secure culture here in Australia. We've built things up. We, we, we are one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And we live in excess, which is what was happening there in Daniel chapter 5 in that feast. Yeah. And it, it, this is when Paul is saying, hey, you've got to watch. And in First Peter 4, um, Peter says, but the end of all things is, is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. First mm, mm. Peter 1.13 says, therefore gird up the loins of your minds. In other words, wake up, be yeah. sober, yeah. and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation or the returning of Jesus Christ. So our culture has pushed Christ out. We don't need him. We have everything we need. Let's party. Yeah. And we're yeah. living in a false reality that, Things like what's happening in, in Gaza and in Israel uh, are like a, a sharp interruption to, to our soft culture to say, hey, we're living in a facade. The reality is, is what's happening. And, and these little things, which is not little, it's this big thing that's happening in the Middle East, is a wake-up call. Indeed, indeed. And, and this becomes a harbinger of, you know, I think the promises of Christ, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, uh, in my Father's house, of course, and many mansions. I will come again, is what uh, Jesus actually says. And to me, uh, the more I look at this, to me, are we at a change point in our world? I think we're at a yet another. I think we've seen a number in uh, in recent years. And myself, as I look at this, I think the potential uh, for this to uh, certainly change 
change uh, significant portions of uh, world uh, diplomacy, uh, world outlook uh, is is incredibly huge. You know, as I I look at uh, Revelation chapter eighteen, you know, particularly about verse uh, verse four, there it talks about uh, Babylon, which of course means confusion. You know, an incredibly powerful state, but the word primarily means confusion. But it talks mm-hmm. about a coming together of uh, world political forces of uh, uh, coming together of uh, of world of the merchants of the earth you know uh, there's going to be uh, something is a there is actually going to be a transition at some uh, at some point and uh, to me as i as i look i just simply say hey our world right now uh, i believe is is changing once again uh, and is being impacted uh, once again by a disaster of monumental uh, proportions uh, but uh, uh, David, really appreciate your feedback on that particular uh, article. Uh, let's uh, let, let's come to our because our, our time is starting to run away from us. Our World Watch segment uh, needs to come to an end, uh, so let's come to uh, Robin Mark. This is uh, a really beautiful song, uh, Robin Mark. Uh, here, here is love. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy uh, this uh, this piece of music. It's beautiful. Thank you. 
Robin Mark and uh, that song of course is uh, Here Is Love. What a beautiful picture uh, Robin does uh, does paint there uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, so so challenging uh, to be able to, uh, what a wonderful thought to be able to present uh, that message in a world in which we're living today. Uh, now folks, we do have for you today a really beaut uh, book giveaway book. Now, this book today is uh, it's written by Stuart Tyner. It's entitled Chosen by Grace, but it's got as its a subtitle uh, Seven Portraits of End Time People. Uh, what do end time people, what do they actually look like? Uh, now, this, you know, he, he looks at issues of like being grounded in biblical reality, being made alive in Christ. What does that actually mean? Uh, the object of unconditional acceptance. How can we be ready for the bridegroom? And, you know, to me, I believe this book is so relevant for the day and age in which we are living. Times are changing. Uh, it is uh, it, it, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Uh, this book's entitled Chosen by Grace. That's what uh, God's people right through history uh, can say they were chosen by grace. It's actually true of the Old Testament characters. It's true of the New Testament uh, characters. It was true of the uh, people in the days of the Reformation. Uh, and, you know, it's all going to be true again in the end times. This is a really beautiful book, Chosen by Grace, Seven Portraits of End Time People. What exactly do they look look like? And now, look, folks, if you would like uh, your own copy of Stuart Tyner's book, Chosen by grace then why don't you just text us now our studio text number is 04 888 8081104888 and all you need to do is to give us the uh, today's code now today's code is SA140 now that's just five digits uh, in a row uh, please put no gap between the SA and the 140 because it goes through to our robot uh, doesn't you don't talk to any person and uh, unfortunately our robot can't recognize it if there's a gap there so now SA140 is what you need to put in your text but send that text to our studio text number which is is 0488 uh, uh, Our robot, he'll come back. He'll ask you one or two questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. 0488 uh, And the code for today is SA1140. Uh, love uh, to have you uh, pick up this uh, totally uh, totally free free book. And now, folks, you are listening to uh, uh, to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, with Pastor Gary and my co-host today is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and he's the lead pastor of the Seventh Day Adventist Church right here in uh, South uh, South Oz. And 
of course, this week we've been following the theme Contemporary Israel and Ancient Prophecies, Is There a Link? And today we're chatting on that question, uh, has a contemporary Israel inherited the promises of God in the Old Testament or has it been given uh, to uh, somebody else? Now, why do we actually ask this question? Well, the reason we actually ask this question is because right now I'm just so conscious that uh, uh, that over uh, over in Israel there is a major conflict occurring between Israel and Gaza, and our hearts and minds go out to innocent people on both sides of that uh, of that conflict. Uh, that uh, this this is a, a disaster uh, for ninety uh, percent of people who don't want uh, war, who are just wanting to live. Uh, their their day to day lives, but you know one of the things that I'm just really conscious is that uh, in the uh, religious press, uh, I, I'm just I'm just amazed at the number of articles that I'm seeing uh, where uh, people are uh, people are start authors are starting to write, they're starting to say, they're starting to expound on this issue of Israel and the end times. I've got uh, one article I shared a little bit yesterday, but uh, one article says uh, uh, says something like this while there's much about the end time that's unknown and falls into uh, into interpretation or even into speculation a lingering question remains what about Israel after all throughout scripture both old and new testament the nation of Israel is God's chosen people where does the nation of Israel fit into God's plan for the end times. What does God have in store for Israel and the gift of eternal life at the end of the world? Is the existence of the current state of Israel a fulfillment of God's promise to them? Do you know this is uh, uh, this article then goes on to expound uh, certainly many of the Old Testament promises uh, to the to the state of Israel. But you know, yesterday, as we dug into our Bible study yesterday, what we discovered was that each of those promises in the Old Testament was actually conditional. Uh, it was conditional on uh, Israel's response to God. Uh, just as there were many promised blessings, so there were also promised that could Verses if uh, the nation of Israel was to reject uh, Jesus Christ. We find that repetitiously uh, in the uh, in the Old Testament. But David, look, I'm really interested in picking up this uh, uh, this subject for today. Um, and uh, it's this issue of, uh, you know, has Israel or has somebody else inherited the promises that were given to Israel in Old Testament times? Yeah, look, great topic, Gary, and our hearts and our prayers go out to uh, the people in Israel and also the people in Gaza. Um, God's heart hurts and breaks, doesn't it, over any suffering, full stop, and so should ours. Gary, what we're looking at today is probably, at least in our discussion, that we're going to pack into probably about 20 minutes of discussion, and it's quite in-depth, so we're going to try and keep this uh, as, as simple as we can, but you can dig so much deeper. The first thing I'd like to say is that um, Christ is the centre of all prophecies. We need to let the Bible interpret itself. And secondly, the Old Testament prophecies are the root, and the New Testament prophecies is often the fruit or the fulfilment of what occurs in the Old Testament. And so... Let me explain that to you in regards to this question. Uh, 
Isaiah chapter 5, verses uh, 1 to 7, God through Isaiah tells a parable. And it says this, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Mm. And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break it down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they, that they rain no rain on it. Now then he says, So this is a parable in Isaiah chapter 5, 700 odd years before Christ, and it talks about God having a vineyard. Mm -hmm. So who is that that vineyard, David? Well, verse 7 of Isaiah 5 tells us, we don't have to guess, it says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but beheld oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry for help. So right there in the parable in Isaiah 5, we find this parable of the vineyard. The vineyard owner built everything, did everything, planted everything, but what came forth was was wild and wasn't good. And and God says, what more could I ever have done? And who is he talking about? He's talking about the house of Israel, the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to make this very clear, Gary. Um, God is not racist. Mm-hmm. God loves every person and every race. Mm-hmm. In fact, as we know in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, or um, there is neither slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. So God is not racist. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, God chose a group of people to be a vehicle, to be a display, an ornament, if you like, of his plan of salvation, of his goodness and of his grace. And that nation was small. It was the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. They were there to display God's plan of salvation, how people could live life, as God in, as as he as he hoped, and he planted and them, yet, and he planted them actually at the real crossroads of the world, didn't he? In Palestine, it was it was the crossroads of the world, uh, the ancient world, and and yet instead of being a light to the Gentiles, as Isaiah talks about, they put up walls to uh, not become ceremonially unclean by being in touch with Gentiles. A Gentile is a non-Jew. Yes. So instead of being um, and exhibit, instead of welcoming uh, other nations to themselves to see the wonderful God of, of the whole universe, they closed off other people as a nation. Now, we're talking as a nation, not as individual people. Yeah. So then we get to the New Testament, and in the New Testament, at the end of Matthew 28, we have Jesus telling his disciples, who I want to suggest are the new Israel, to go to all the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, people would have come to Israel, and to see what God was like. But in the New Testament, God tells the church, which is the new Israel, to go to all the world. So that's the parable in Matthew 5. Let's quickly jump to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 21. And in Matthew 21, we find ourselves in the middle of the Passion Week, that that final week in which Jesus is is tried and crucified, the triumphal entry. There is a series of parables in Matthew 21 and 22 of great reversal. 
mm-hmm. where what we expect, the righteous and the good people should get everything, but no, it's taken from them. And in Matthew 21, verse 33, we have the parable of the wicked vine dressers. And Jesus tells the religious leaders another parable. And he says, there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, listen to this, verse 37 of Matthew 21. Mm. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, this is the son, Mm -hmm. cast him out of the vineyard, just like Jesus was killed outside the city, cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And then Jesus says, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Now, he's speaking to the Jewish religious leaders. He's really picking up that parable that, uh, that you've already read in Isaiah, isn't he? Exactly. It's the same parable. Old Testament, New Testament. We believe in the entirety of Scripture, not just the New Testament. Um, it expands on it. It sheds light on it. Yes. So Jesus says to the religious leaders, what will the owner do of the vineyard to those who have basically killed the son? What will he do to those evil vine dressers? And the Jewish religious leaders in verse 41 said, they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably, that's the vine dressers, and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Mm. And so essentially, they have judged themselves. Jesus is letting them in on an insight. A couple of days before his arrest and trial and crucifixion, he says, I know what you're going to do. You're the evil vine dressers. I am the son that has been sent by the, the farmer, the landowner. You've killed the prophets in the Old Testament. Jeremiah talks about that. Finally, the father, finally the owner sends his son. That's me. And when you kill me, he's, he's prophetic. He's saying in a couple of days, this is what's going to happen. And if you proceed with that, what's likely to happen to you, the, the nation of Israel? And they condemn themselves in verse 41 and say, um, as I've just read, he will destroy those wicked men miserably, lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in due season. And then Jesus says, have you never read in the scriptures? He quotes Psalm, mm-hmm. Psalms 118, the stone which the builders rejected, and this is Jesus, has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And then he says, verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, this is from the Jews, and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone, he's talking about himself, the capstone, will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him into powder. And listen to this, the last two verses. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. In other words, Jesus tells parables, and in particular this one about the parable of the wicked vine dressers, that actually he's saying, I know what you're going to do. Historically as a nation, you've killed the prophets, you've denied the truth, and now finally when the landowner sends his son, me, the, the, the capstone, the cornerstone, what will you do? You'll kill me as well. In a few days' time, you'll kill me. And he says to them, what will happen? What's the judgment? He said, And they tell him. 
They judge themselves. It'll be will be taken from us. We won't be that nation. I think this is so, significant. I think this is significant what you're saying here, David, because to me, what what is so important is that just as in the Old Testament, a person was a a son or a daughter of Abraham because they were a child of promise. Right through mm. the, the Old Testament, you get this. Uh, you know, you're a son. You know, you can. Abraham had more than just uh, Isaac as uh, as children, uh, and yet it was through Isaac uh, that what you what you find is uh, the nation of Israel uh, is a, is established. You know, it certainly comes up through through Jacob and uh, the change of name name there. But uh, right through Israel, there are people who are born of the flesh of Israel. Who are actually not regarded as Israelites, and there are other people who are adopted into the family of God. In fact, if you go to the you know genealogy of of Jesus Christ, you get mm. some some women named women Gentiles, if you please. One of them's actually a prostitute who's yeah, actually right, named actually named in the in the she's been adopted in. To the uh, nation of Israel, why? Because she's a spiritual Israelite. You see, in the Old Testament, it was true, and in the New Testament, what you're saying is that this whole, uh, whole this thing uh, carries on. Uh, a person isn't a um, uh, isn't a spiritual Israelite because they were born because of their heritage, because of their heritage, but rather uh, because they became they've accepted and desired to be a child of promise. Uh, do you know when I when I consider that, I, I just sort of say, "Hey, thank you, Lord, for what you've actually done uh, for me," because it means that I, as a Gentile, I can actually stand as a spiritual Israelite in God's sight. Look, Gary, that's a hundred percent correct. And in Jesus's genealogy, you picked up um, Rahab, and you said a number of other women. Rahab was not an Israelite either, was she? She was from not only was she a a, a prostitute. But she was also from Canaan, and she was a Canaanite. Then you have um, Ruth, a Moabite, um, and also potentially Tamar. Uh, and and so you're right. A Jew, a spiritual Jew, is not one who is necessarily born of the flesh, but is one who is has accepted by faith that Jesus Christ uh, is the seed of Abraham, is the Messiah. And when we accept that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, then we become children of God. We, we, we are inherited into Christ's family. We become spiritual Israelites. Yeah, look, that's a, so, that's a beautiful yeah. thought there, David. Uh, look, let's just come to some music because I'm conscious how time is really starting to get away from us and I really appreciate what it is that you've actually shared so far. We'll come back uh, to that just for you to, to finish off in just a, uh, just a moment. But uh, look, let's come to, uh, this is uh, Evie and Pele Carlson and uh, they're singing uh, Nehemiah's A Prayer. Uh, this is so relevant uh, to what we're actually uh, hearing uh, hearing today. Uh, please enjoy.
Carlson, Nehemiah's prayer. What a beautiful that uh, comes almost uh, straight uh, from the uh, from the Word of God. Uh, you know, it really does reflect God's constant call for Israel was to come back to Him, uh, come back to Him in repentance, and they would receive the blessings. Uh, but uh, without coming, returning to God, uh, the blessings would become curses. Uh, you know, as I as I consider that uh, that song, I'm just uh, just so uh, so conscious there is a powerful there is a powerful issue there, uh, certainly for uh, the entire entire Christian church uh, today. Uh, look, guys, we do have a giveaway uh, book uh, for you today. Uh, this is Stuart Tyner's book, Chosen by Grace, Seven uh, Little Portraits of God's End Time People, uh, Chosen by Grace. You will love this particular book. Do you know, one of the things that I'm just so thankful for is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and, and this book certainly digs into this subject, uh, not just in our generation, but previous generations as well, uh, and uh, and certainly uh, the uh, the generation that is uh, uh, certainly now living uh, upon the upon the earth if you'd like this book this is Stuart Tyner's book chosen by grace if you would like it uh, then all you uh, you need to do is to uh, is to text us now our studio text number is 048 0488811 80811 and all you need to do is to text us our, our code for today which is SA140 and uh, that'll go through to our robot our robot will come back to you ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in uh, super quick 
a time. Uh, we'd love to be able to get this book into your hands. Chosen by Grace, uh, SA140 is the code, and uh, that number again is 04888-80811. Now, folks, today you are listening uh, right now to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary, and uh, my co-host today is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and he's the president of the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, in South, South Oz. And uh, this week we've been following that theme, contemporary Israel and ancient prophecies. Is there a link? There is so much being written right now because of the Israel-Gaza conflict in the religious press about this particular issue. We figured it was worth us really digging into. And today we're chatting on that question, who has inherited the promises to Israel today? Now, David, we've got about about 10 minutes before we're at the top of the hour and uh, we're going to have to be silent for another uh, 24 hours. Uh, can you bring it all together for us? Yeah, look, thanks, Gary. Um, uh, don't let anyone get the wrong picture here. Um, God is not racist. The Bible is not racist in this, in this regard. And essentially, uh, anyone who is a physical Jew or any other nationality or race can come to Christ. What we're really saying, though, is the nation of Israel, God's chosen vessel in the Old Testament to exhibit his plan of salvation and his love, is no longer uh, the, the vessel that is used to, sh- to, to share, to be the witness to the world. It's everyone that believes. It's the Christian church, essentially, and every, everyone that chooses to follow that. And, that's, and, why, it, it, and that's why, David, Jesus actually gave a great commission to the church, wasn't it? You know, I mean, before Matthew 28, you know, uh, go therefore and, you know, make disciples of all uh, nations, preach, teach, baptize. You know, I mean, this was the commission that was given to the Christian church. If you like, this is a commission that uh, originally he designed that uh, ancient Israel was to perform exactly, and and so um, and and tomorrow's topic is going to unpack this further. So you have to listen to tomorrow. But um, in Romans chapter nine, verses six to eighteen, uh, the apostle Paul says, uh, "But it's not as though the word of God had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his descendants." But through Isaac shall your descendants be named. Why? Because he was the child of promise. So it's all about the promise. And that's why in Galatians 3, 7, uh, the apostle goes on and he says, it is those who believe who are the children of Abraham. Uh, What are they to believe? They're to believe in Jesus Christ as the saviour of the world. So that's what we call a spiritual Israelite. A spiritual Israelite uh, doesn't have to be someone that is uh, a Jew by birth but rather someone that has been born again and accepted Jesus as their saviour. Now, that can be someone that is a Jew by birth, but it can also be a Gentile by birth. In other words, mm. we, we can all be spiritual Israelites if we accept and if we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way uh, to salvation mm. and to receive salvation. And that's why, Gary, that um, just a couple of verses, and then I want to wind it up, um, in Second Corinthians 5, verses uh, 15 and 6, actually no, Galatians three twenty six to 29, the Apostle Paul says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. In other words, th- those distinctions are gone. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, Paul's saying, 
there is no, there is no, the literal nation of Israel is no longer the sole vehicle of God's grace or the, or the, the exhibitor of God's grace. It is now those who have accepted Christ, who, who become Abraham's seed and their heirs according to the promise. And, um, he goes on. But I want to just pick up on a couple of verses, Gary, to finish. Mm. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's a relationship in Christ, he is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things become new. And that's why he can say in Galatians 6.15, that for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but rather a new creation. That's, in other ways, those distinctions are gone. That's that. That is incredibly, incredibly important. What you're actually saying there, but I, I mean, uh, to me, it means that an awful lot of people are wasting a lot of money and in, in, in actually having to. Because I know, you know, people are moving back to Israel, uh, certainly from places like America, uh, because uh, they want to be a part of the nation of uh, of Israel. But from what you're saying. That's not how you become part of uh, spiritual Israel. No, and that's why people need to tune into tomorrow's episode, Gary, because they will unpack that. The uh, two speakers tomorrow on Drive Time. So you have to listen to tomorrow, Gary. In finishing, two beautiful verses. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. Uh, the Apostle Peter, he says, "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now, who's he talking about? He's not talking about the Jewish nation because in the very next verse he says, who, he says, who once were not a people but mm. now are the people of God who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. So the Apostle Peter says that anyone who believes in Christ Jesus as their saviour um, you once weren't a people, but now you are. Why? Because now you're a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're his own special priesthood. Peter here in First Peter 2.9 is using all of the designations that were used in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel. Wow. But now, but now, since the nation of Israel, not the people as individuals, but now since the nation of Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah, Guess what? Anyone who believes of the promise of Jesus Christ, anyone who believes is now a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. In other words, the church. The church becomes, inherits the promises. And, you know, when I consider this, I think, hey, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture uh, this is This is really painting uh, because those promises in the Old Testament that have been provided to the obedient nation of Israel actually are inherited, are picked up by the Apostle Peter and are passed over to the uh, Christian church, to those who are following uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, to me, I look at that and I say, hey, that is just so uh, so exciting. That is so beautiful. Uh, of course, there's also a warning there, isn't there? Because just as in the Old Testament there were 
blessings and curses, uh, you also find that uh, it's the, the blessings are only there. If you like, uh, the blessings are a result of obedience uh, to the to the way of uh, the Lord God. Uh, and absolutely, absolutely. And so we can do the same thing as the ancient nation of Israel. And look, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about tomorrow because one of the most significant parables certainly in the New Testament that I believe is never spoken about is actually one that's uh, provided by the Apostle Paul and it concerns an olive tree, uh, an olive tree where uh, people are grafted in and where branches are chopped off and uh, Paul is actually dealing with this very question uh, and he, he deals with it in such a, a beautiful pictorial form and of course uh, that is exactly what we're going to be dealing with uh, tomorrow. Uh, but David, look, we do need to finish at, at, at that point. But look, I'm just wondering, would you like to just uh, pray for us? Just finish with prayer. Uh, just a prayer of thanks uh, to the to the Lord God uh, for that incredible a call uh, that uh, uh, for for that commissioning uh, that certainly came to the Christian church uh, through the words of the Apostle Peter. Dear Father, we just want to pray for your Spirit to work, your angels to work in Israel and in Gaza, Lord. So uh, Gaza, Lord, so that loss of life can be minimised, Lord. Father, we know that in this world there won't be peace, but in you that there is, Lord. Um, we may we may not be many of us. Um, Jewish by ancestry, but we can be spiritual Israelites. Even those who are Jewish by ancestry can be spiritual Israelites, Lord, when we accept you as our Lord and Saviour. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for every person that we might come to the knowledge that salvation can only be in Christ. There is salvation in no other. And as we do that, we we are a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. May you bless each person listening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that, David. Really appreciate it. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David on uh, Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please uh, join Drive Time tomorrow when Pastor Hugh and Pastor Fabiano are going to be looking at uh, that really big question. Will the temple in Israel be rebuilt? Now, this is something. So many books have been written on this. This is a book. This is a subject that you need to to hear uh, from the Word of God. Really look forward to your being with us. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.